Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Dylan Gabriel for Heisman? I don't know if I buy that, and that's okay. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. So when you look at the Heisman odds on the aforementioned site, that be FanDuel, of course, for 2024, the top three options go something like this. Quinn Ewers, the quarterback at Texas, plus 750. Carson Beck, the quarterback at Georgia, who I'm really high on, plus 750. That's just a pair of SEC quarterbacks, you know. And then third is a Big Ten quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, at plus 1,000. Will Howard, plus 1,200. Don't know if I'd buy that one either. Jalen Milrow at plus 1,200. That one I could see. So there are some interesting names in there. But Dylan Gabriel, third, not something that I am expecting next year. Now, would it be a welcome surprise? Of course. Is it great to have a Heisman finalist? Always. It is great for your university to showcase that you can get a player to New York City and you know make that as a recruiting pitch to both high school and transfer portal recruits. But when I look at Dylan Gabriel, and I've talked about this before, I feel like he is much closer to his ceiling coming to Oregon than Bo Nix was coming from Auburn. Now, do I think that this upcoming Oregon team is better than last year's Oklahoma team? Yes, I do. But is the gap between this year's Oregon team and last year's Oklahoma team, let's say that gap is a two, the difference between the Auburn team Bo Nix was coming from and the Oregon team he joined in 2022 to me, it was about like a six. There was a lot more for Bo Nix to gain. And so I think that's why he maximized his abilities. And Bo Nix is bigger than Dylan Gabriel. He's got a better arm. He's a little bit better athlete. They're both very experienced in their time coming to Oregon. So that's you know not really a differentiating factor there. But do I think Dylan Gabriel will have success? I really do. I think that him being third in the Heisman odds is more a function of expectations being very high for Oregon. And when you have a really good team, your best players, particularly a quarterback, are going to just naturally be in the Heisman discussion. That's the way that all of that works. So Gabriel, a season ago, did not throw for 4,000 yards. I think that that would basically be a, a requirement for him to make it to New York City this year and become the second straight Heisman finalist for for the Ducks. And I, I, I think that for... For Gabriel, you know, what he did a season ago is all Oregon needs from him. He was about 3,600 yards, 30 touchdowns, six interceptions. He ran for 12 touchdowns and a few hundred yards. 
That's all Oregon needs. This is an Oregon team that's got a tremendous, tremendous roster. And if the team plays the way they're capable of, and Gabriel is the exact same guy, then Dylan Gabriel will lead Oregon, I think, to the Big Ten championship game and the college football playoff. Will they win the Big Ten? I don't know. Ohio State's really good. There could be some other good teams in there. But I, I look at Dylan Gabriel and think about the Heisman, and I think of, well, you know, who who would he compare to, right? Who's a guy who we've seen before come through and have this sort of season or have that sort of season and whatnot? Jaden Daniels, for instance, compared most recently to Lamar Jackson. And Trevor Lawrence, his comp would be a guy who came after him, you know, Joe Burrow. Or Trevor Lawrence didn't actually win the Heisman Trophy, but Joe Burrow's comp would be, you know, Trevor Lawrence, that sort of guy. Caleb Williams, same sort of thing. I look at Daniels and compare him to Lamar Jackson and say, well, it's a guy who was just so productive with his stats, not necessarily on the best team. They were both nine and three in the regular season, if memory serves, but their numbers were just so incredible that, you know, the team's success was able to be overcome. And Bonex probably wins the Heisman if Oregon beats Washington in Las Vegas. Alas, of course, they did not. But when I think of Dylan Gabriel, I see Bryce Young. I, I think that is the high end of what he's capable of playing. Bryce Young, in his Heisman winning season, completed about 67% of his passes. That's something Gabriel can attain. Went for over 4,800 yards and 47 touchdowns. Now, why am I bringing up these two guys? Because Dylan Gabriel is not very big. Both these guys are listed at 5'11", and I'm here to tell you that is an inch or two generous. They are both good football players, but 5'11", eh, that might be like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, Maybe with cleats pushing 5'11 and whatnot. But both guys know how to play the position. Both guys have got some mobility. Both guys have good arms, not the greatest arms in the world. I think that winning a Heisman Trophy for Dylan Gabriel, that, that's, a, that's a big, big step. He'd have to go for over 4,000 yards, which would be the best mark of his career. And look, is he on the best team he's ever been on? Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he absolutely is. But I just don't sense that there's another gear because I don't see the elite speed. I don't see the elite arm. I see the veteran uh, components about his career and say, that's great for Oregon. And I know that he can come through in clutch moments like he did. I mean, that Texas drive, that's the stuff of stones, big time stones right there in the Red River showdown a season ago. I know that he's got that component. He's not going to be thrown off by what a defense is giving him. But, you know, I, I... would be surprised if Oregon rolls out, you know, a bodacious style campaign to try to get him to New York City, which was a successful campaign, might I add. That that was something that Oregon took some flack for. Why do you have a poster in New York City? Why do you have a poster in Dallas? I don't know. Brand power, branding, awareness, and Bo Nix, New York City, just like that. I don't think Gabriel's got that. He's not someone who was, you know, close to being a Heisman Trophy finalist a season ago. I really think that him being third in the odds at, you know, I mean, if you disagree with me, by the way, by all means, it's plus 1,000 according to our friends over at FanDuel. That'd be a heck of a hit. That'd be a heck of a hit. But I think he'd have to go over 4,000 yards passing. He'd probably have to run for at least 500 yards and Oregon, and he'd probably need double-digit touchdowns as well. He would need to account for probably over 45 total touchdowns, and Oregon would have to probably win the Big Ten. That's just where it would be. Now, I, I think the latter part of that is the most likely thing to happen in, in in that group. But like I said, I think in this offense, Dylan Gabriel is is capable of being the same guy 
but slightly better. And that's enough. That is absolutely enough for Oregon to achieve every goal they could want to in 2024. What Dylan Gabriel was a season ago, that's good enough quarterback production. You don't have to have a Heisman level quarterback in order to win a national championship. Just look at what Michigan did this year. Michigan, whose philosophy I think is even more ground and pound than you know what Oregon has, but certainly the Ducks will have a great offensive line with a lot of returners and a really good running backs room with Jordan James and Noah Whittington, Jaden Lamar, Jay Harris all in there. Like, got plenty of backs. They're going to run the football and they're going to have success and be productive offensively. I like the receiving core as well. J.J. McCarthy threw for like 158 yards in the national championship game. He did, he did not go crazy. He didn't go crazy all year. And I think that that's a decent comp, though Gabriel will be more productive than what McCarthy was this past season. Gabriel had Heisman odds once upon a time, and I always felt that that was not not reflective of what the race would actually become. And I didn't think he'd someone who would you know last in that particular area. And I think that's what's going to happen with Dylan Gabriel. And guess what? I got to be honest, I don't really care. I don't really care. I just saw it and thought, man, I don't know about that. I don't think that's going to happen. But I'm happy to be proven wrong. If Oregon can send another quarterback to New York City, hey, that's that that's fantastic. That would be great. I don't think that's going to happen. And most importantly, I don't think it needs to happen. Because who Dylan Gabriel is, we don't need him to become something that he is not. Be the same guy and Oregon competes in the Big Ten next year and makes the college football playoff. Plenty more to get to on today's show. Does Autzen need to be changed? Well, well, that that depends on which element you're looking at here. No matter which way you look at FanDuel, though, that's America's number one sports book. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate, myself included. Many of you probably football fans out there. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has a lot of ways to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today, and you'll get 200 dollars in bonus bets if your first bet of five dollars or more wins it's that easy join fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up that's fanduel.com slash locked on make every moment more with fanduel official sportsbook partner of the nfl march madness is right around the corner if you want to win your office pool you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As always, Second Segment Sips, official partner of keeping this show quality. Thanks so much for being tuned in. If you ever want to, I don't know, get in the mailbag, get a question answered here on the show, lots of different ways you can do that. YouTube comments or X, formerly known as Twitter, at S. McLaughlin CFB or at Locked on Ducks. DMs and mentions wide open on those particular handles. If you want priority access, you go over to subtext, link in the description below wherever you listen to or watch this show. Not a requirement, but if you want more insider access, get my instant reactions and thoughts and breaking news and all sorts of other perks 
go join the flock over at Subtext. So this question came in from Caffeinated Sheepdog. Points for creativity on the name there, my friend. Do you believe Lanning will bring enough success to the program to warrant a stadium expansion? Two things. First of all, he spelled program P-R-O-G-R-U-M. Thank you kindly, sir, and well done. I applaud you for doing so. Secondly, no, I am not in the expand Autzen camp. Now, this has been a frequently discussed topic surrounding Oregon football, you know, game day. And, and Matthew Knight Arena has got these discussions as well about game day experience and everything like that. How can it be made better? I'm not privy to what could be updated or improved in the, you know, suites or luxury seating at Autzen Stadium because I've only ever sat in in the stands there. But I do not believe that Autzen Stadium needs to be changed one bit. And look, the Ducks are going into the Big Ten, and you have a lot of stadiums that are much bigger than Autzen that can hold 80, 90, 100,000 people, depending on where you go. I think the, the, the horseshoe in, in Columbus, let me look that up uh, real quick, is 102,780, right? Oregon doesn't need that. There's nothing about Autzen that needs to change. And I think the way that, you know, Oregon football games have been attended, the way that, you know, the home atmosphere has been so good and Oregon's only lost once at home under uh, under Dan Lanning and I expect that home field advantage to continue in 2024 in a big big way. I think that the Ducks are are perfectly content and should be with how Watson Stadium is from a capacity standpoint because Oregon isn't that big of a state. It's not that that populated of uh, of a state, but I think that for I think that for the Ducks the one thing that that I've consistently seen fans or media members talk about that can be improved is the tailgating area. All agree there. There, there could be a smoother layout. You could have, I, I, I don't know if this is logistically feasible because it can be tough to manage, especially with all the rain in Oregon and whatnot. But I'd love for there to be just like a giant kind of grass area where people can go throw the football around or set up cornhole or whatever you want to do. I think the the structure at Autzen for tailgating, I think that I think that can be improved. But in terms of Autzen Stadium it, itself, yeah, o- Oregon could raise the money if they wanted to and all this sort of stuff, but I don't think they need to. And we're at a time in college football where everything is changing all the time, like frequently, very frequently. I don't think that Austin Stadium needs to be another thing that that changes in that front. It is a beautiful, wonderful palace of noise every single time the Ducks take the field. And remember, for those of you in the Eugene or surrounding area, the spring game is April 27th. April 27th, that is the date to watch because Oregon, ah, we don't get to watch them play for so long. It's going to be a very long time, but the spring game will be the best example. It'll be it'll be the best data point that we can gather, and, and certainly I'm counting down the days for it. You know, February is finally here after the longest January in the history of long Januarys. It's been less than a month since the national championship was played, and it feels like three lifetimes have passed. And yet at the same time, we're all ready to February. March is right around the corner. We've got some hoops talk coming later because they're in not a precarious spot, but certainly uh, one of urgency later tonight uh, against USC and then on Saturday against UCLA. So 
No, I don't think the landing is, you know, got the program in a place where it is nationally relevant. They're getting a lot of respect and a lot of good press and everything, and they deserve it. No, I don't think stadium expansion needs to be on, on Oregon's radar there. You can make alterations, but a, whole, a full-blown expansion? No, I, I don't think so. This from uh, Bryman13. Which, what is your dream NFL team for Bo Nix to be drafted by, and which one do you expect he'll end up at? Really hard to know. I think Bo Nix should be the fourth quarterback taken off the board in the 2024 NFL draft. Speaking of the draft, sidebar here, Jackson Powers Johnson is just tearing it up at the Senior Bowl. He's not actually a senior, but he's there, and he's apparently just dominating. Not that any of us are surprised, but everything that I have read and seen about what he's doing down there is his draft stock just keeps going up, 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 up. I had a question recently come into the show about, well, hey, why would guys not play in a bowl game, but they play in the Senior Bowl? Because when you're going against other guys that are prospective NFL draft selections, yeah, when you win those battles or you show out well in the game, catches the eyes and attention of NFL scouts in a pretty serious way. So th- that's why they go down there. And JPJ's making a name for himself. I saw Dorless had a dominant rep where he just disposed of a guy like a rag doll. It was, you know, what we expected to see from those guys because that's what they did throughout their their Oregon careers, particularly this past season. So. Anyway, back to uh, the the question there, which I almost forgot, but I didn't, of course, because I got notes. So Bo Nix, I would love to see him go to one of a couple places. The Minnesota Vikings are highly, highly intriguing to me. Any offense that runs the Shanahan system I'm totally in favor of. I think Bo Nix is perfect for it. I I think when you look at Bo Nix, he is everything – that Brock Purdy is with better traits. And if you put him in that sort of system, you put him in the right offense, he would be a fantastic fit. And I think he can execute that at a high level. He's not going to be asked to do anything. He didn't do a lot of in college, you know, those sorts of teams, depending on where you go. I also like the Vikings because you have Justin Jefferson to throw the ball to. That guy's freakishly good. You got an offensive head coach, They're not a complete and total train wreck. They're going to move on from Kirk Cousins eventually. That'd be a great guy to mentor Bo Nix and teach the system to. And Bo Nix brings things to the table that Kirk Cousins doesn't have. Bo Nix has got a better arm and he's got better mobility. And obviously he's younger and cheaper. So I think that could be a fit. I think the Denver Broncos could be a fit if, if they just move on from Russell Wilson, which they absolutely could. Yeah, I think Sean Payton and the, the, the weapons that they've got there in Denver and the team that he's kind of building I, I think Sean Payton would be a good guy for, for Bo Nix to match up with. Here's one under the radar. Here's one under the radar, and I'm not going to try and guess where he ends up going because you know I think he should be the fourth quarterback off the board. He could be the fifth. That could slide him to the second round. I don't think he goes past the middle of the second round, but I think the Raiders is a really, really interesting spot because they have no quarterback of the future. They have Jimmy Garoppolo and Aiden O'Connell in their quarterback room. And going to a place where you've got Devontae Adams as a bona fide number one receiver, I am I am on board. <laughs> I would I would be on board with that. And I think Antonio Pierce is interesting. I think Antonio Pierce is really interesting because clearly there is a cultural element. And I think wherever Bo Nix goes, he'll be a home run in the locker room. He's an awesome guy, fierce competitor, great leader. We know all that sort of stuff. 
But Pierce with the Raiders has clearly won the players over. He's won the locker room over. And so as a result, when I think about places that Bo Nix can go, yeah, the Raiders are a mess of a franchise, right? They just, you know, guys getting arrested all the time and they can't make the playoffs and they're changing head coaches and everything is just a mess. And, you know, I don't know that they treated Derek Carr great on, on his way out over to the Saints. I think that for for, for Bo Nix, the Raiders are an opportunity. Plus, I could go watch him play at Allegiant Stadium. But most notably, it's an opportunity to be a part of something that feels like it could have real upward momentum. And I would not want to see Bo Nix go to a place where he's got to carry the franchise and be, you know, basically be what he tried to be at Auburn. That's not when he's at his best. He's got to have support around him, just like everybody else in the quarterback world uh, in, in college and in the NFL. So those would be three spots, uh, the, the Vikings, the Broncos, and the Raiders in order. I'll throw in a sleeper there, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They just hired Arthur Smith to be their offensive coordinator. He's not a good head coach, but he's a good OC. Although the last Oregon quarterback he had, and this is just a superstitious thing, of course, it didn't go very well either time. So maybe not. I, that's why I said it's a sleeper. But yeah, the Vikings would be the spot where I'd love to see Bo Nix go. Is Oregon going back into the transfer portal? Well, one of you wants to know, and that's how this mailbag system that we've got works. We're going to find out because I'm going to answer the question here from Chain Dash Wallet. This has been the most exciting Ducks offseason I can remember. It's been very good. They have addressed tons of position needs. True. Do you think they will still try to add tight ends or more defensive line starters? They could. Those would be the only positions. Those would be the only positions. I don't even see them doing it at linebacker. I think defensive line only on the interior. Again, edge guys, defensive ends, Oregon is set. You, you've got Jordan Birch. You've got Tatum Tuioti, Mateo Uyungle, Blake Purchase. You've got five-star Elijah Rushing coming in. You've got Amarion Winston in the room. I, I, I don't see Oregon going after edge players there. And I don't know who really would come available. You know, tight end is a spot where, again, I could see it. And then they added, you know, a Casey Kelly type player. But here's the thing. Oregon's got three tight ends. Oregon's got three tight ends. And, you know, since Patrick Herbert has moved into the regular rotation starting in 2022, he's been able to stay healthy, which was the only problem that he had in the early part of his career. T-Ferg's been able to stay healthy as well. Knock on wood. Don't worry. And, yeah, this this desk is made of wood, you know, somewhere. Anyway, so T-Ferg, Herbert, and then Kenyon Sadiq, that guy is different than the other two, right? T-Ferg and Patrick Herbert are traditional tight ends. Sadiq is a guy you run pop passes, fly sweeps, tight end screens. Well, they do that to the other two guys as well. But I, I don't think tight end. I think defensive line on the interior would be more likely than tight end because I think they're pretty set there. And tight end's a position where we've seen true freshmen contribute each of the last four seasons for the Ducks. Each of the last, at least three, but I'm pretty sure four, three, it'd be three seasons. Each of the last three seasons, we have seen true freshmen contribute at the tight end position for Oregon and young guys contribute. And so they're bringing in Roger Saliapaga and, you know, that's a guy who might not do a ton this year. But again, if you're three tight ends deep, I think you're fine. And like the running back room last year, you got three guys last year, Oregon had Bucky Irving, 
Noah Whittington, Jordan James, Whittington goes down, yeah, mostly a two-man backfield, and that's okay. And you can do that at tight end pretty easily. I don't think they add any more tight ends. Defensive line, you know, there are a couple guys at Michigan on the interior that I could see just because Oregon's lost so much and you're asking a good amount of, you know, redshirt freshmen, guys who haven't played, or true freshmen like five-star Aiden Breland coming in. But those guys were highly tied to recruits for a reason. And, and I think that they've also stuck around for a reason. And that's that the coaching staff believes, you know, there are guys that are ready to make the jump and be contributing members. Because when you're replacing Dorless and Taimani and Rogers and Popo, that's a lot. And that's why they brought in Jamari Caldwell, the defensive tackle from Houston, who was an all Big 12 conference selection. I, I think that that's enough to anchor that group with all the young guys in there. Because I fully expect Oregon to to see those young guys produce in a big way next season. Let's talk a little hoops here. Because hoops is in an unfortunately familiar spot. Fun fact, and this doesn't make me look good, but is not a reflection on me. Since I started hosting this show, Oregon has not made the NCAA tournament. I know. Very frustrating. Because... We know that Dana Altman is a very good coach and had a run where getting to the Sweet 16 was like an expectation, right? Or it was year in, year out. Now they're just fighting to get into the tournament. The biggest reason is they just can't stay healthy. So so Mookie Cook isn't going to play the rest of the year in all likelihood. Keyshawn Bartholomew's done for the season. Now, Cook wasn't playing a lot. Bartholomew was. That's a loss. That's a loss. I think Cario Oquendo, the Georgia transfer, is the guy who has to step in and fill that first guard off the bench who comes in and scores kind of role. Because Oregon right now, you know, Jackson Shellstad is really good, but he's hit a bit of a wall. You got Brennan Rigsby out there who also has had teams start to focus in on him a little bit more. But really, they need to defend. You know, the problem against Arizona wasn't that they couldn't score. It was that they couldn't get stops. They couldn't do that consistently. And, you know, in theory, it's better with Infali Dante and Nate Biddle there. But the results have not been great so far. And Dante's had some great numbers and done a lot of really good things. But they haven't quite figured it out yet. But is all hope lost? No, it is not. And I will never give up hope if there is a chance, realistically, that an Oregon team can make the NCAA tournament because once you get there, anything could happen. So Oregon is currently projected by Joe Lenardi as one of the next four out teams. They have two games this week at USC uh, on, on Thursday night and then at UCLA on Saturday. Without Bartholomew and Cook, this is still an Oregon team that is deeper and better than the two teams they're going against. Isaiah Stewart, I believe, is the name of the player from USC who got injured and so they're going to be a little bit thinner. Oregon beat USC and UCLA earlier in the year at Matthew Knight Arena. UCLA has been playing much better basketball. That game worries me a little bit more. But I checked the betting line, and Oregon's only a one-and-a-half point favorite against USC, even though they're sub-500 on the year. So Vegas is not particularly high on the Ducks. There's no way to really slice it. Oregon's Got to win both of these games. You cannot afford to lose games when you're a, a first or a next four out team to to someone like USC or UCLA. And Oregon has got a big stretch coming up here because USC is is Thursday night, seven thirty Mountain Time or uh, Pacific Time tip on ESPN. UCLA, both those teams are under five hundred. Then next week. You go the Washington schools at home, who Oregon beat earlier this year on the road. Neither game was easy. But coming home, 
got to be able to win those. Oregon State and at Stanford and at Cal. That is a very, and then hosting Oregon State again. So the game's in the rest of February, right? Oregon's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in the rest of February. I don't think it's overstating things to say that Oregon should go at least, at least five and two. If they go four and three, it'll all come down to the uh, to the Pac-12 tournament in Las Vegas and whether they can make a run and get the automatic qualifier. They will not be able to build an at-large resume if they have three losses in that lineup of games. Washington schools at home, Oregon State twice, who upset Arizona, but they have not been great this year. Cal and Stanford, USC, UCLA. These are the teams that Oregon's got to avoid stumbling against. And early in the year, that's why they're in the position they are now, because in the early part of the season, they avoided those sorts of stumbles. Well, here they are again, down a couple of guys, but they've gotten Biddle and Dante back. You got to go, I mean, five and two is like the bare minimum, and I mean the bare minimum. It needs to be for Oregon to comfortably build an at-large resume because those are not quality wins, so you got to stack them up and avoid the bad losses as well. Six and one here. Six and one, or heck, seven and oh. I doubt Oregon goes seven and oh. I'm holding out for at least five and two. Six and one would be great over the next seven games to play in the month of February. That's what Oregon needs to do. That's where they're at. Hopefully they get a win on Thursday night, and I can come on and talk about it on Friday about, okay, they got one win out of the way. But the Trojans on the road, it's always hard to win on the road. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.